Welcome to Women Wanting Women, where we explore topics that matter to women like us. We talk about being a woman, attracting women, and becoming more powerful women by developing more self-confidence and always reaching for the next level in our self-actualization. I'm your hostess, lesbian love coach, Jordana Michelle. And if you're not already with the woman of your dreams and you're ready to finally find her so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share your dreams together and have adventures together and share passionate intimacy together, then also check out my website, womenwantingwomen.com, because it's packed with resources that can help you, including my guide to quickly and easily eliminate rejection from your life, a how-to guide for finding your lesbian soulmate, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. But before we go any further, I have a question. Did you ever wish you had more close girlfriends? Have you ever gone through a difficult time in your life where you just wished you had more support from really close friends in your life? What if I told you that pretty much every single woman in modern society is actually lonely? Because we are. We are more than we realize that we are. Because humans, we evolved to live in hunter-gatherer tribes where the women spent all of their time together and did virtually everything together. What we're built for as humans is to live a life of deeply connected, tight-knit, inseparable sisterhood. But that's something that almost nobody in today's modern world has. And so we're left longing for more. That's why the skill of being able to find and build true friendships is so important. And in this episode of Women Wanting Women, I interview Sasha Lala, who teaches us how to find new women friends and how to build deep, lasting friendship with them. This interview is sweet and tender and full of wisdom and insights that can help you increase your skill set and your confidence when it comes to making new friends. So without further introduction, I bring you the ambassador of women and sisterhood, Sasha Lala. Sasha! I'm so happy to be talking to you right now. Yay. Yeah, me too. Thank you for being here. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So we're going to be talking about friendships between women. Yes. Yes. It's an, an area that I think, um, you know, even when I hear you say it, I still have the old part of me that goes, oh, friendships, like that's so elementary to talk about. Having said that, though, I feel like it's such a key missing in almost every woman's life. And based on the way our culture has gone, it's something that got lost. And I don't think a lot of women realize what a nourishing force and critical situation it is to have. I think we've been missing it for so long, we've forgotten what a big deal it makes. And so you think there was a point where we had it differently? Yeah. Let's start there. Tell me about that. Oh, well, it, it looked like when we were hunter-gatherers and all the women would sit in a circle around the fire, telling stories, singing songs, raising children, you know, sitting in a community of women and in sisterhood, taking care of everything, everything. <laughs> That's what it looked like. That's 
where it was. And then when that died, when that circle died and we became living in boxes, everything, everything went from being round to being sharp and box-like. We live in box houses, box apartments, box condos. We live in, we work out of box-like offices. We do our work from laptops that are, you know, square or rectangular. There's no opportunity for women to actually connect and sit in circle. And now these days it's the metaphorical circle. Okay, you join a women's group, you do a meetup. Usually it's based on some sort of hobby, knitting, entrepreneurialism, some sort of charity. And it's all the attempts for these women to try and find community and sisterhood. But then they have multiple groups, the knitting group, and then the church group, and then the business group. But what they're all craving is deep, profound relationships and and really sisterhood. And whether you have biological sisters or not, I have biological sisters. I'm lucky enough to have that. And there are still moments in which, and times of my life, and even now, where there's ways in which my biological sisters can't meet me and provide for me the things that I need, which is why I found chosen sisters in my life. And, you know, this is true not just for women who are um, starting out in business or, you know, just left a relationship. I've... Uh, I've led lots of events, lots of live events where I've panned the room and their room, the room is full of people who are also speakers, who are vendors, who are, you know, participants. And when I ask the room, show of hands, how many of you women are here in hopes or at least feel that you would like to make a new girlfriend, someone who you feel close, connected with? Every single person puts up their hand, no matter who I'm speaking to. And then I ask, how many of you sometimes feel lonely, like you don't have somebody you can connect with and you feel like if you had that, that would be a huge impact on your life. Everybody puts up their hand. Especially the women in high profile positions, uh, they tend to be the loneliest because so many people look to them going, oh, you must have way better things to do than be friends with me. And so they're so used to being the leader and then other people leaving them alone that they end up t tend to be quite solitary in their life. And, you know, this this for every iteration of a woman's life. I just, you know, I'm now coming out of, I'm a, I'm a technically kind of new mom. I have, I have young children. And the isolation of motherhood, the isolation of starting a business before I had kids, the isolation I feel even in a marriage sometimes that I didn't expect, the isolation of moving from, you know, groups to be on my own where, oh, I don't have geography to keep me close to certain girlfriends. There's been versions of isolation every time of my life. And I think a lot of women also feel guilty that if, well, I have kids and I have a great husband or I have a really successful business or, you know, who am I to feel lonely? I shouldn't feel lonely as if there's something wrong with feeling lonely. And it's a very embarrassing thing to say that you're alone, especially if you feel in this culture, you're supposed to have it all together. And loneliness is not something people talk about. People, it's easy to go, oh, well, you know, I don't have my dream job or I haven't pursued, you know, my financial goals or I haven't crossed that place off the bucket list. But very few women actually are given the permission to reflect and go, actually, I'm, I feel really sad and alone. And I don't know what to do about that. Wow. You really made a lot of incredible points here. Starting with just thinking about the profound truth that we were living, we were evolved to be these hunter gatherers where our entire lives 
were spent in the company of other women, where everything we did, we didn't even do. There was no singular task. If we were, we were just doing it as part of the collective. We were a collective, a collective of women t deeply, deeply bonded and um, inseparable almost, I would imagine, back in the day. Um, mm -hmm. And with, with, with less than 10,000 years of evolution, probably, that we're talking about since then, maybe even five, which is hardly anything to change our genes. That's not enough to make any sort of difference on us internally. Now we're living these external lives of almost compared to that, um, what we can really call complete isolation. <laughs> you know, really, if we're really coming down to it, where we all feel this uh, lack, lack of that because we didn't evolve. We didn't evolve to be this way. Yeah. And, and then when the amount of people who pay attention to us or speak to us is linked to status because the higher status primate is the primate that gets the most attention paid to it. If mm -hmm. we're admitting that we don't have people paying attention to us, then we're basically admitting that we're low status, which is a shameful thing, which is embarrassing, which is not something that we would feel safe to say out loud. It seems to me just in terms of thinking evolution, if we're talking evolutionarily, the lowest status female may be in the, like who would ever be lonely in a community like where we evolved to be living, if you were lonely, you must be pretty weird and low status. I mean, if no one's paying attention to you in that hunter-gatherer circle of women, you must be pretty off. And so if we're feeling like we're that evolutionarily when we're lonely, um, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and I never thought about the boxes compared to the round. Yeah. And one thing I just want to say when you use the chimp example, so 100%, there's something embarrassing to say, oh, like if no one's paying attention to me, I must be low status. But the, but the thing that I find interesting, especially where we differentiate from the chimps, is even in the chimp game we play as humans, the high status female who's getting lots of attention and lots of popularity and looks high status in the chimp game as a human being is still really, really alone. Yeah, in this world. Yeah, so it looks they looks like they're high status, but they still feel low status because the connection is the connection is not what they're looking for. The level and quality of connection is not what they're looking for, which also leads me into the idea of um, a lot of women don't know how to be friends. They want to hang out. They want to spend time. But there's a level of authenticity and genuineness and heart that I think, you know, I'm all for listen, I'm a progressive woman. I, you know, run my own company. I'm all for the whole like movement into more power, but something in the world of a level of authenticity and genuine putting my heart out in service of others can sometimes get lost because it, we've been hurt so many times. It's scary. It's scary to go, Hey, you know, I look at my two-year-old daughter and she goes to the park and she sees another little girl who has like a bear on her t-shirt and she's like oh we both have bears do you want to be friends like that's it's as simple as that and Aww. and we forget that even though I'm like not two years old anymore it's not socially appropriate to do that but really that's all I want to do is I see another girl or woman walking in the mall and she's got cool shoes and I'm like hey you have really nice shoes do you want to be my friend that's literally what I want to say but it's so bizarre to actually say that and so we smuggle it yeah, it's so sweet and tender, all of us. We just don't know how to show each other that and connect that way. Absolutely. And then, you know, as a woman who has had shoes, that someone goes, oh, okay, someone wants to be my friend. Then we get we nervous going, what? 
why do why I don't trust this person? Why do they want to be my friend? I don't even like these shoes I just picked up. Like so, there's like the game both sides play. On one side, someone's yearning to go, hey, can you just be my friend? And they are too scared to say something. And when they do, the person on the other side doesn't believe that they're worthy of the friendship. Because why would someone just want to be my friend when they don't really know me? Right. They must be desperate, and they yes. must be creepy, or exactly. I don't know. We we don't. Yeah. And so both sides are these women who are going, they're so lonely, but they're just very afraid to go, oh, me? Yes, I'm worthy of friendship. And you, I really want to be your friend because I'm worth being your friend. You, we need. There's a level of esteem that has to be there to create the friendship, which is you know a whole other conversation about women and their esteem. But friends, female friendships in that sisterhood, I feel is the biggest buffer against low self-esteem and confidence issues out there. Yeah, totally. The right girlfriends. Yes. can really be a, a huge source of confidence. So you brought up something interesting is how to be friends. You know, what are, what could people be doing that we don't even know we're not doing or that we should be doing? So I, my, my way of do th- doing things is a little bit uh, weird. Yeah. So the way I approach it, and I'm not saying my way is the only way. Um, I'm sure there's other ways. It's just the way that works for me. And I can't even say it works all the time. But for myself, I approach making friends kind of like dating. And in fact, when I had my firstborn daughter, which was just a couple of years ago, I remember going to these like mommy meetups and I'd be like dressing up and putting on blush and making sure my baby looked all cute. Because, you know, at these mommy groups, I'm like super lonely. I want to make a friend. And I got to do the whole like peacocking thing. And it was just so weird. to do but I'm literally going out to try and like you know it's the it's a new bar it's a mommy group and you're interviewing and checking out and kind of laughing at people's jokes and there's this whole friggin game that is played and I haven't been dating for a long time I've been married for like you know almost 10 years so it was a very strange thing to me and I realized I'm just not cut out for the game like I can't do this I can't do the hey so uh yeah what kind of sweet cup do you use you know like I can't do that small chit chat stuff. So the way I do it is it's going to take a bit of guts and it's going to be, it's going to take some degree of esteem and also willing to be rejected. But I'm at a point where I'm like, I know what kind of friend I am. And I know that I'm funny and smart and I bake really well. And I've got enough things I can like string together to be like a good human friend. So for the people, you know, for the women listening, just think about things that you know you're really good at and go, you know, would I love somebody who like made a mean chocolate chip cookie? Yeah. You know what? Okay. Let me just hang on to that as a steam. I know I offer a bunch of other things, but at the mo- that time I was like, I'm a good chocolate chip cookie maker and I can put together a brunch in like 45 minutes flat. That was what I needed to hold on to esteem wise as a new mom. Now I have other things that, and before, you know, being an entrepreneur and knowing that I'm interesting and I have, you know, a big heart and loyal, those sorts of things. You want to look for ways in which, what are the qualities you have as a woman that if you had it in a friend, you would love, and then wear that as a badge of honor. And I would love if a girl made great soup or was loyal and like fiercely truthful. You know, I am a big proponent of truth. That may not work for everybody. But then you're going to find the people that match that. And the other thing I would do is I basically copy little kids. And so I see something in another woman that sparks my interest. So the first and foremost, anytime I see something in another woman that catches my attention, I take that as a sign 
that in some ways we are a match because I wouldn't recognize something in her or notice it if it didn't trigger some sort of, you know, the sniff test, the feeling of familiarity. And so if it's a cool pair of shoes or the way in which she handles an interaction with the, you know, barista, it could be just how her energy feels really happy and smiley. I go, oh, something about her feels like she could be my human. And then I, instead of waiting for more, you know, I might wait for two or three things, you know, okay, cool shoes. Oh, and she's very polite with the waitress. Okay. So she's like, you know, nice and fashionable and like, isn't afraid to take a chance with those like crazy shoes. Oh, and then I notice like, she like does a really raucous laugh. Like she's not holding back on her expression. Okay. Those are three things that like, I could jam with a girl like that. And then I find a way, you know, to, you know, for like an event and I'll go, I'll actually reflect back to her what it is that caught my attention. Go, hey, you know, I want you to know I really loved I really love your shoes. And in a place like this where it's a conference or, you know, it's a busy restaurant, it's easy to like not pay attention to the service people. But I just want you to know that I, I noticed how you interacted when that server like got your messed up your order. And I just I want to say it was really beautiful to watch and I, I really honor you for being so handling with so much grace. So why am I coming to see her? Like, why do I want to talk to you? I like your shoes. And then some reflection of why I think you're a good human. Okay. So immediately they're not, they're not, I'm not a crazy psycho who's like wanting to steal from them or anything like that. And even if nothing else happens, they still feel, I have esteem of having the, 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 the courage to go and make that first move. And they leave going, wow, I, someone complimented me today. I feel awesome. So it's a win-win situation. Yeah, it's a really generous, beautiful way of starting an interaction with someone by generously offering them why they lit up your day in some way and offering it back to them. Yeah, and I feel like you owe them that. I feel like if someone delights you, you owe, not like you owe them like you're obligated, but if someone makes you smile or catches your attention, that is that's their bit of energy that delighted your life and you that gift should you should thank them for yeah and then but then do p- women always receive that well because i feel sometimes i'm like are trying to be friendly and maybe i don't do it in that exact way where i list to them the things that i've appreciated about them but maybe sort of you know or you're standing in line next to someone and something funny happens and you're trying to make eye contact and laugh at the thing you know um yes and um, that's great. But people, which, but I totally agree with you what you're saying, but do P, how do people receive it? Has this, like, how has this worked? So, so, so there's two things. Um, and it's actually, it's great that you bring that up the whole, like smile at somebody and you kind of share that laugh. And then you have the, the acquaintance, you can create that momentary acquaintance, but I'm talking about the friend. Yeah. And the friend energy is, it could start off with the acquaintance that like you both laugh at something in the line and it's kind of fun. And there's some camaraderie there. Yeah, but you're saying, I'm looking for a friend here and I'm going to, you're really going for it. That's incredible. Yeah, it's like, I don't want to just date. I want to marry. I want to get married. So I want to, I'm invested. <laughs> yeah, it's a really, it's a very vulnerable thing to do to go up to someone and share on that level, you know, to say, to, to give of yourself in that way. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, and it's terrifying. Because there are times when people go, oh, they, they get all weird and squirmy and they're, they don't really, they immediately shut down and they go, oh, okay, thanks. And then they walk off. And I used to get really triggered by that going, oh, like here I am giving you something 
and like you didn't receive it and then I would be like well I don't want to be your friend anyways and I do this whole justification in my mind when I walk back to my table and then I realized oh now and this is also why I do the work I do with women and what I've learned over the years that I've been doing this is they're just so shy or insecure that they can't fathom somebody when somebody comes and gives them that bit of, that level of generosity and authenticity and love it is too much for them to hold and take in so they have to make it wrong oh because when i'm telling them i want you to know i i love that you are like the your shoes are wild and i i me telling them that i noticed how they treated the waitress might be the most perceptive thing someone's told them it, it, more than their partners or their parents and so y- you are saying something to them that could be the most seen they've ever been which can also make them feel very vulnerable and naked mm. because the truth is as women we are doing a million things every single day that are beautiful and gorgeous and no one notices and so much so that they don't notice it we stop noticing mm. and we take it for granted how beautiful and great and generous we are and so when a stranger comes and says hey i noticed that little thing you did that you didn't even notice it's it's sometimes it can for some women it can be oh my gosh thank you so much i love you let's be friends and it can also be like whoa that's a bit too much i don't know how to be with it i'm going to walk away now but even if that happens even when it happens that they walk away a part of me is going i have to hope that as an ambassador for women and as an ambassador for friends and it's not just cuz like i'm talking i think all women are ambassador for women no matter what you're doing in life there even if she like kind of rejects me i still know that on some tiny level she must feel a little bit nice knowing that someone complimented her i don't know anyone who would get a compliment and make and have it make them feel worse and so even though she's rejected me i can i i go well hopefully the next time someone compliments her she's able to receive it more or hopefully the given given that her esteem might be up 0.1% for my comment she's got a little bit extra energy for her kids or her husband or her you know cab driver later and so i just go oh i'm going to be i'm going to be the one to i'll take it for, i'll take one for the team i'll take a bit of rejection if it means she's going to be able to go out and take that energy and be a little bit more gracious or confident or happier in her day I'm willing to take it on behalf of humanity. If that makes sense. That's that's so beautiful. You're first of all, what I think is so great about what what you do here is that even when you get rejected, you're not making it personally about you. You're saying, okay, this is a person that had that is shy, that's insecure, or or this is a person who, for whatever reason, my compliment was too much for them to hold. That 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 person couldn't take it in. That person had to make it wrong. It's not about me. It's about the context of that person's life. But as a human, because I would like to undo whatever that mechanism was that has her in such a state where she can't even receive this very genuine vulnerable compliment that I gave hopefully in me giving the compliment it's it's just unwinding her just a little bit so that maybe all of humanity will just be that much better off in the long run so you're sort of making it a more global offering it's it's really beautiful yes yes 100% 100% and it's it's a gladiator sport you know it is a a sport where you will get scarred 
It is a sport where you will get hurt. It is a game that is not easy and isn't for the faint of heart. And it's totally worth it. It's totally worth it. I, I can honestly say some of the friendships I've created are why my marriage has worked out, how I've gotten through motherhood, how I've gotten through business opportunities that were fantastic and I wanted to just share and they could hold it and things that were devastating and I didn't know how to get up. I, I, I assert, I credit so much of my ability to survive and thrive in my life having close girlfriends. And as somebody who does this and, you know, advocates for it and is shameless about it, I still can say I only have very few that I can call on in those moments. So it's not like I have a big repertoire of 25 friends and I'm just like socialite. It's still hard. Yeah, which is I think something that everyone needs to keep in mind is that no one has this necessarily handled 100%, at least not to the way that our genes want us to because our genes are asking us to be sitting around in radical sisterhood where, where these women are our whole lives. Yeah. So, um, but that we're also all of us, when you do make that vulnerable play and you go and you give your generous compliment to someone or you make your attempt at really connecting, knowing that deep down she really does want it too. Maybe she doesn't want it with you. <laughs> you know, maybe we're not the friend that she's looking for. Um, not everyone has chemistry. As a woman who um, approaches women for a, a totally different kind of friendship as well, you know, <laughs> sometimes she's just not that into us. But, you know, and that applies to friendships as well, of course. Yeah. And, but it's good, still good practice. To me, I'm going, it's still, it's, it's like, if you're not going to be my best friend, great. One, you still get to feel like you were wanted, you know? And two, I know now what I am looking for, what I'm not looking for, for the next one. And it, on one hand, it's a numbers game. And it's also like, okay, well, it's not, it's not me in the world of worse off place to keep going at it. So staying insular, whether you're approaching it for friends or romance, staying to yourself versus putting yourself out there is, is never going to be the route to go. It's always still putting yourself out there. And being doing the genuine share, I can say it takes some like muscle to build up to. And a lot of times when I've talked to people, they're like, well, how do I start? Like, how do I just get this muscle going? I, I would, you know, the things I would say to some of my clients is every day, try and find 10 women and you compliment them. Just try complimenting on anything. Hey, that sweater looks great on you. Wow, really love your shoes. Thanks so much for holding the door. Your hair looks fantastic. And then it doesn't have to be physical things. It could be like, I just need to say that you just look so happy and full of joy. I'm just so, whatever it could be, but to get the practice of opening your mouth and speaking to strangers, saying something nice. And what I've found when people do that for a week, and you, if you want to start off with five people or two people, that's fine too. They you as a woman get such a hit of esteem knowing that you're bringing so much delight and joy to other people because they can't help but at least smile when someone says something nice to them that you end up creating this amazing feedback loop of like, oh, I want to do this more. So you build their esteem and the back door is you also build your esteem because if you are watching yourself, which on some level we always are observing ourselves and through life, you go, look at that woman. She's out there making other people feel amazing. I like her. I want to be her friend. Oh, that person I want to be her friend, that's me. 
I want to be my own friend. And so you end up creating this level of you're clapping for yourself. And so every other area of your life, because you're the common denominator, starts to feel a little bit more sparkly over time because you feel like, ah, oh, I even in the, my walk to the coffee shop on the corner, I, I made two people happy. And that's something that, you know, a lot of times people walk to the coffee shop and don't even notice the humans they walk by. And there's something in the world of connection, whether you become friends or not, to be somebody that you know your life just by waking up has had an impact on somebody. It cuts through all the BS of everything else that we're playing the game for in life, finances, success, fame, popularity. It's just, you know, you be an epic human and that's enough. Yeah, and we don't always, that doesn't always get reinforced as much as it should, just the value of just being a beautiful, epic human. But what I just want to also say that it's not just that you're making the world a better place by, by making people feel good. You're also attuning your own attention to where there is beauty in other people, where there is something worth complimenting. So now your attention and your focus is on the positive. We're so It's so easy for us to walk around thinking about negative thoughts or what's frustrating or what's getting in our way. But when we're walking around looking to be seeing the positive in others, that's a whole other reason to be clapping for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I, who, who isn't going to be in love with somebody who looks for beauty, you know, in someone else? And so it's a way for us to fall fall in love with ourselves on a different level. Yeah, I love everything you're saying, but we still also, I think, need to go even a little bit deeper because just because we connect with someone once and are able to sort of jam on that first meeting, you know, how do we then bring that into the kind of sisterhood where that person is there for us in our darkest moments? Like, you know, there's a, a long road to that. And so, and I think people get stopped up on that. I think some people are really great at meeting meeting people uh, a certain ex of mine who I won't name so great at like like you meet that person and she's like the most fun you've ever had but she's not always great at like following up and like doesn't always return emails and isn't always reliable in in those other ways you know some people have a harder time knowing how do you follow up with a friend without or it or some people come on too strong and then other people maybe are a little flaky and don't follow up enough Um, so how do you do it what's the right balance what advice do you have on that Yeah. So in regards to that one, that one's a tricky one because someone not being able to follow up or being a bit flaky because they're not really good at responding to, you know, texts or emails, isn't necessarily indicative of who they are as a friend. And something I've had to learn is there are superpowers I have as a social being and there's superpowers other people have. I'm really good at keeping in touch and checking up. And I have friends who I've literally texted, gosh, for six months straight with no response. And I go, okay, I have to do the mental work of like, did I do something that bugged them? Or are they angry? Or do they just not want to be friends anymore? And then I go, no, well, hold on a second. Nothing's happened. And if I'm unsure, I can check in. I'm a great girl to be friends with. So why wouldn't they want to be friends? It's not from a cocky way, but from a place of like, no, I think we like, we did really well. We've been friends for a year. And then I go, oh, they're just not good at replying and following up. And so I don't make their non-response mean anything. And I keep sending the message. And a perfect example is I had a friend, it's been five months I've been texting her uh, and haven't heard anything. And there was a point in time where she, there was a point in time where she, you know, she just wouldn't be responding. And it's been almost five months. And I would text her every week and then it became every two weeks. And now it's like every month. 
And just two days ago, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to check back in. Hey, you know, I miss you. Hope everything's well with you. I'm not angry at her for not responding. I do want to make sure she's okay. And I am wanting to just kind of throw one more lasso out going, hey, if I catch something, it'd be great. Now, she ended up responding. She's really busy. And she's not somebody who's good at replying. So I just know with her, I got to do more work if I want to keep the relationship. And there's some people I got to do more work with. The, in regards to answering your question in regards to what the right balance is, it's got to be first, what are you willing to do based on the friend? So for me, this girlfriend, I only, I only find a few, a handful that maybe I jam well with. You know, I might get to know them. In those mommy groups, I made like five or six friends. And maybe one of them are someone that I would keep longer. So she's somebody I'm willing to do a little bit more work if I don't hear from her for five months. You know, life happens. I don't know if there's a family member sick. I don't know if she's dealing with something personally. So I give her the benefit of the doubt. The ones that are not, I'm not willing to do the work with, I might check in every couple months or, you know, twice a year. And if I don't hear anything, then I don't hear anything. But it's the biggest thing is it's not about me. And I don't make it mean anything about them. We're two busy people leaving big, beautiful lives. And sometimes things fall away. And it doesn't mean that they're repelling. They're just drifting. So it's really in the individual, what is the right balance? The one thing I will say that makes all the difference though, is if you're willing to lead with your heart and be authentic. And it goes back to the point where you're saying, you know, in the lineup and you have that camaraderie where you kind of, you know, smile and laugh along with somebody, another girl beside you, that's great. But I want to get really deep, really fast. So I will, I'm willing to be the emotional leader. I'm willing to go, hey, it's hard to find girls that I really like and I've been looking for a long time and you seem really cool and I'd love for us to be friends. And so, you know, if you want to jump on a call every week or if they live somewhere else or, you know, if you don't mind us meeting up a few times, like I'd love for us to, you know, have this go deeper and have this be something that's a bit more substantial because I'm tired of having the friends that just kind of like get exfoliated away by time. And most of the time, women are very happy to hear that because they feel similarly and they're willing to do the work. And over time, I realized, oh, so this one needs I, this is the person I need to call because they'll never call me. I'm more committed than they are, not because they don't want it. They just don't have the practice. And as long as in the conversation, when I talk, I'm yeah, we can talk about the sippy cups. So we can talk about their latest boyfriend. But I make sure in the conversation, I make it count because I'm not interested in having the water cooler chit chat. I'm just not interested. And for the work I'm doing to create friendships, I'm going to go, okay, so tell me, I, I heard that, you know, I noticed that you said like the holidays were hard. What, what happened at Thanksgiving that was so difficult? Yeah, really going to the emotional, really not asking superficial questions, going right in. Yeah. And if they don't know how to do that, then I start. Hey, you know, it was really hard for me at, on the holidays because my so-and-so did such and such. And I noticed I had to struggle with like still spending time with, you know, my kids and making it all work. And I'm just, I left frustrated and angry and I don't know why I did it, but I also feel like underappreciated. Like I just give them my raw emotions so that they know, oh, if she's sharing hers and mine are safe too. And I also lead by example going, this is how I talk. Do you want to, do you want to play that game with me? And some people do. And some people don't, but that's, that, that's a, 
it's hard for me to answer the question of what's the right balance because it's going to go to each person individually and it's going to go on the quality of the relationship. Just like in romance, there are some partners you're willing to do more work for and there's more like bootstrap transformation needed in the relationship, but they're worth it. And there's other people who you're like, I'm not willing to do the work with. And so you leave. Um, and I feel like friendships are very similar. Yeah. I also feel in terms of a balance, like sometimes I want to be a leader, but sometimes I also want to be respectful. And maybe that was what you pointed to earlier when you said some people that are very high powered people um, are so used to being the leader that they get left alone. And I certainly don't want to leave anyone alone. But when I try and make friends with someone that I look up to or that that I'm not 100% sure, you know, how excited she is about friendship with me, what I'll do is I try and really see based on see what the response is to me. Like if I, I won't stop texting someone just because they haven't texted me for five months, but maybe like you said, you, you less frequently or, um, mm -hmm. you know, cause I also try and be respectful of other people's boundaries too, reading their boundaries, yes. reading their energy, and then do sort of a trying to match and mirror them to make them feel comfortable. There's a certain extent to which I'm good at being a leader, but then I also worry that if I'm too much, I don't, I guess that's, we always are afraid of being too much, right? Yeah. I like, unless you're somebody who's texting them every day and like stalking them, like that's too much. Right. But you know, especially in this day and age where there's text and email, which is still safe to me, if I'm ever worried about being too much, and this is what I've actually done is I, I, I don't go up to them going, I love you. And I just really want to be your friend. And like, I don't know if you want to be my friend, but like, maybe you do. And I just wasn't sure. I usually just put my heart in a really well-crafted text or an email. And recently I was able to, a woman who I looked up to and was like an idol to me for a long time uh, when I was younger, recently I reached out to in an email and just basically said like, I see you and I just want you to know like, I'm, I have a lot of respect and honor for you and this is what I, I see in you, but in a very not you're more than me, I, cause I realize if I'm looking up to them as if I don't deserve to be with you and I'm just, I just want you to be my friend cause you'll give me my binky. That's never going to be an equal exchange of energy. So it took seven years before I was like, you know what? Peer to peer, I respect you. And this is the difference you've made in my life. And this is what I see in you now. And I sent that email and she responded with, I've never felt so seen and heard. And now we talk every morning. And seven years ago, this is a woman that, uh, you know, for me would have been like, oh, I can't believe she wants to talk to me. And I'm like, of course she wants to talk to me because I see her and for who she is and love that. So in an email, but it was in an email and I sent it out going, I don't know, but at least if I get rejected or at least she doesn't want to respond, it's not, she doesn't feel put out of place and I don't feel like I'm getting slapped in the face. And most of the times I feel like that's a way in which because I would never, t I would never want a woman to be worried about being too much and then con put a constraint on her heart and like her expression of her heart for that person. But at the same time, I also want to, like you said, be respectful of it can be too much for the other person. So where we have emails and texts and most people are way more willing to give out their email addresses and their phone numbers. I find that that's a great way where you can still have permission to say what it is you want to say and, and, and talk about your desire to connect with them. And if they're not interested, then, well, then you won't get a response, but at least you don't have to deal with them feeling awkward or you feeling like completely unsure if you're crossing a boundary. 
Totally. And I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. It sounds like sort of the difference between approaching someone from a needy place of saying, I'm not really great, but if you'd only pay attention to me, then maybe I'll get to like mooch off some of your greatness by being able to say that I'm your friend. Mm -hmm. Please be my friend. Please pick me. Please pick me. As opposed to just, hey, lady, I'm standing right here. I'm awesome. But I, I, I notice all these ways in which you're awesome. I'm confident in my own skin. And I have all these things to bring to the table as a person. You don't obviously say that in an email, but with that inner attitude of knowing our yeah. own worth, there's uh, a, a very non-needy way to achieve that and, and really attract someone as a friend. And, and sometimes I do say that in an email, not exactly like that, but there's been times where I've said, hey, I don't know what's going to happen if we become friends, but I know that I'm chocolate chips and you're caramel sauce. And there's no way when those two things come together that it won't be yummy. So if you want to play, let's play. So there's still a way in which you can say that I'm awesome. You're awesome. You know, let's see what awesomeness we can create together. Totally. And then in terms of just like setting it up and then being there for them, being there for long phone calls. I have a friend that I made this year that didn't have time to have long phone calls with me, but she likes to exchange on WhatsApp messages. So she'll leave me like five or 10 minute WhatsApp voice messages. And then I'll listen to those and take a long walk and just respond for five, you know, to 10 minutes. And, and that'll happen a few times a week. And we have these, you know, epic WhatsApp exchanges, you know, so there's all kinds of new formats. Totally. Totally. I love that. Yeah, no, I am. I'm kind of new to the WhatsApp voice notes. I never use as always phone for me, but there's a degree of connection you can feel, even if you're not talking in real time, when you do that, that still has you feel on your walks and in the world, I'm not alone. And there's somebody else in the world that like cares about what I have to say and wants to share their life with me. Yeah, but it's that cares what I have to say part because there are times there are people that I would love to leave a long voice, you know, I'd love to just leave a whole voice message for and like share with, but not always trusting that that would be received. We obviously can't just go leaving five or 10 minute voice messages for people. Um, we got to build up to that or... No, but why not? But why not? Well, I think... For me, it would need to be where in a relationship where that's been established. Like you and I, we've been we've we've known each other for a couple for a few years now, and now having had this conversation and in setting this up, and we've been in a few masterminds together. But I still don't know if I left you a ten minute voice message just out of the blue it would have been the right. I, I you know, there's an appropriateness in terms of. So I don't know. I I I gotta be honest. It sounds I hear you, and maybe I'm just so in my bubble. I don't like I I'm not related to reality, but let me ask you a question. If you had met somebody at an event and maybe you just met them once and you kind of even didn't even know them, like it, they didn't even register that you met them. Okay. And then they somehow got a hold of your email address or your phone number. And they out of, a couple weeks later, you got a voice note where they're talking for five minutes and they're just like, listen, I had a really great time meeting you. This is like, I, I think you're really awesome. Like whatever they were to say, would you reading, receiving that for yourself, would you go, man, they're weirdo. Or are you going, wow, that's kind of awesome and like totally unexpected, but awesome. And they get props simply for having the friggin' chutzpah to send that. My answer is twofold. <laughs> Actually, there's an interesting lesbian aspect to this too. Because as, as a queer woman, my capacity to love another female was, you know, 
exponentially bigger than any girlfriends my own age when I was growing up. Mm. And so I had the experience of in basically every single friendship that I got really excited about a girlfriend of mine because I was too young to understand that I had romantic feelings for girls. It's not that I was in love with them because it was, it was before all that, but just my capacity to really love this other female was bigger than her capacity to love me. Even if she loved me as a friend, it was like mine was friend plus all this other stuff. Yes. And so I had to learn how to navigate within that balance and approach someone with friendship without being overly needy for all the love that my heart was capable of, of feeling for them. And so, yeah, I do think that in some ways I'm sensitive to the, um, I'm sensitive to what is appropriate to the circumstance. And so I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't go send someone some long voicemail where now they, whatever they were doing that day, now they have to stop for the next five minutes and listen to, you know, me share whatever I felt like I needed to share that is now suddenly more important than whatever that person's agenda was for the day. I would never assume that they don't have better things to do. I like to work incrementally up to that with permission, getting the energy back from the person, showing that my attention to them is is invited and wanted and appreciated because I am wonderful. And so I like to be in a situation where I've built up and shown the people what I have to offer with little bits. Like I like to give like a really wisely worded text message just in the right way, really respectful, showing them that I see you, I get you, and I'm going to respect you so much that I'm just going to give you this little bit and I don't need more from you. I'm good. I'm right here. I'm good. And then I come back again and say, I have another offering here. Here's my other thing, you know, and then depending on what they say back. And I try and really calibrate it because of, I did grow up in a world where I had to learn that that you do need boundaries, actually, in some ways, mm-hmm. that having certain boundaries yeah. is really important. Um, and um, but that it also this is me speaking from some of my wounding, too. And it doesn't make it more right than what you're sharing. You know, what you're saying is so beautiful and tender and open hearted. Well, I think in, and firstly, thank you for sharing all of that, because um, you're right, there is a different place you're coming from than I am, because I'm not a queer woman. So I want to say two things, if I can. First, the one thing I want to say is um, I have no idea what it's like to be a little girl and not even know like that I'm queer or not, but realize like see what I feel for other girls is way more intense than what sort of the friendships that they're feeling back and kind of having that level of confusion and not understanding what you're feeling and some of it kind of feeling like they're feeling it's weird because it's not what the other girls are doing. And there's some heartbreak and um, rejection and all kinds of things that you're dealing with way younger than most than I would have had to deal with at that age. And so the first thing I just want to say is I'm just I'm sorry that little kids just aren't emotionally aware enough that they could have they could have held all the emotion you had for them. And I I'm sorry that you had to go through that because that must have been very, very hard for you. Yeah, thank you. I'm really sorry. Oh, you're so sweet, Josh. I love you. Because you were just a little girl who just wanted to love people and it wasn't okay. And it wasn't okay. It, on some level, it didn't feel okay. So I'm really sorry you have to go through that. You're so sweet. Thank you. I think it's so incredible that you're so sensitive that you literally get moved to tears just by, um, you're so empathic that thinking about that literally brought you to tears. It takes a special person. You're so sweet. Um... Well, because on one hand, I'm thinking about my daughter, and I don't know. I don't know if my daughter, she's two and a half. I don't know if she's queer. I have no clue yet. And I'm just trying to figure out, like, if I were you at that age, and I'm 
also being able to see a two and a half year old. And I'm thinking about you just having this wide open heart and you just want to love and you don't know what is appropriate love and what is not appropriate love. You're just trying to love and you're getting all this feedback from the world that's making it feel like you can't trust the way in which you want to connect with another person sometimes is just, it's just a whole level, other level of navigation that um, would be very difficult in a time that probably, you know, when I talk to my daughter and I see her playing with, with other girls, it's very easy to go, oh, look, maybe they'll be best friends versus making sure I speak in the way going, yeah, and if you like them, maybe, maybe you guys can get married or maybe be best friends, but making sure she knows that when I talk about her and other girls, that it could be a partner for life or it could be a friend. With my speaking, she always had permission to choose whatever feels right for her. But we both grew up in a culture where our parents probably didn't know to do that growing up. <laughs> Made it okay. No, they had no idea. Yeah, they had no idea. And the culture still, I think, doesn't really have that much of a good handle and grasp on that. But the second thing I want to say is, uh, yeah, at growing up as a queer woman, there probably is a neck, another level. And I, I feel that you should never do anything. Don't do, don't do anything that feels past your own boundary of comfort. You know, I do want you to challenge yourself. If it's awkward for you to speak to a stranger, then take on giving two compliments in the day. And if the idea of just reaching out to them is terrifying, then maybe it is a more like introspective response. For, for other people, sometimes they just need to rip the bandaid off and go, hey, I think you're awesome. And, you know, I just wanted to let you know that the thing you did when I saw you made a huge impact in my life. And, you know, I wish you all the best and just want to send my love. If it is a five minute audio or it is the more respectful and making sure to like never be too impeding on other people's boundary, I think both are a winner. As long, here, my biggest thing is making sure, one, you challenge yourself and you get out of your comfort zone and you trust your intuition and your gut about it. If you do those two things, you can't, there's no wrong way to do it. I love that. And I do want to just reinforce it. I'm definitely not saying not to approach people. I think it's beautiful what you said and so important. Um, and approach 10 people a day, not just two, because then again, it's not just meeting the new people, it's that Caleb, that focus on the positive and looking for the things to compliment and making the world a better place. If this mm -hmm. is a practice that, um, if meeting new people is something you really want to do, I think it's an absolutely beautiful practice. The only thing that I would suggest is that, you know, we always want to be aware of other people's energy and what we're getting back and to calibrate yep. what we do based on the response that we get from them and just try and be respectful of that is all and aware of it. No, and I think that's great. And that's actually an element that I've never even, like, it, I didn't have to grow up with that. So that makes sense to do that. And there's going to be, you know, women listening who, I just want to know that w women, you have a buffet. They have a buffet of options and lead with their heart. And I just think women don't realize how bright, bold, and beautiful their heart is. And they keep it constrained and all I'm encouraging women to do is if they, if they unleash their heart, their life everywhere, but especially with women, can get expanded tenfold. And so however the unleashing of your heart looks is what I'm advocating for. And sometimes it's, I'm going to bite the bullet and do the, hey, you want to be my friend? I like your shoes. And sometimes it's the compliment. And sometimes it's just a smile. And there's certain levels of boundaries, different people are going to want to feel need to be respected. And there's no right or wrong way. 
But I do think a lot of women do not see how important and what a difference their the way in which they love in general, romantic or friend, makes a difference for another person because they weren't told enough how beautiful their heart is. And so I want to remind women, your heart is epic. And if anything, it's brighter than the sun and go shine your light on as many people as possible. I love that. That's so sweet. And yeah, and also just, of course, remembering that other people want it more than we realize. Other people want to be loved. Everyone is lonely. And so when you try and make a friend, you're doing it for her too, not just for yourself. Yes. And for the world. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So now that we meet, like, let's just say we do have someone that we met and we're excited and we're, you know, having these text message back and forth or having a conversation. How do we go from taking it from someone new that we've met who we like, who we're excited about, and then turning that into a deep, long-term lasting friendship or sisterhood? What, what else is there that, that we can do to bring that forward? So there's multiple answers to that question and it kind of depends on the relationship. If it's based on geography or if it's just based on connection. If I'm really honest, I don't know if there's only maybe one or two, maybe just one friend I have that's close and proximity wise. Most of the other people I am close with and feel really connected to, it's mostly text messages and emails and, you know, voice notes because they live in a different country or a different state or a different province or something. So I can answer the question for both of them. In some ways they overlap, in some ways they don't. Please, yeah. So in regards to people who are geographically close, that ends up being kind of easy um, because you have geography on your side. The thing is, is that people are busy and they're leading big lives, whether they're entrepreneurs or they work full-time jobs or they're parents. It doesn't matter, even if you're single and you're pursuing your dream with knitting, so you don't have a job, people are still busy in their lives, no matter what they're doing. And you can't compare your life to somebody else's. For me, what's been the saving grace is consistency and follow-up. And so what that looks like is, great, we've texted a few times, we've connected, you know, we've maybe had a few jokes, maybe it's on Facebook Messenger or some other sort of whatever platform, whatever it looks like. Waiting for the perfect time for us to connect is never going to happen. So I just, like I've mentioned in previous answers to your question, I kind of go with a unabashed invitation. So it's like, hey, I really love chatting. I would love for us to get together face to face and actually spend time together. What about meeting up for coffee? Or how about you come over for brunch? Or let's go, you know, you have Christmas shopping to do and I do as well. Why don't we meet up at the mall and try and bang some things out together, you know, off our list. I look up for opportunities. Now, it might take five or six times of me offering because the Saturday I'm free, they're not. Or the Tuesday afternoon, I have space, they don't. But I keep putting it out there. What about next weekend? Or I might wait a couple weeks or a month and be like, okay, let's plan something for January. I know the holidays are busy. Let's plan something for January. It could be something like that. The point is to be persistent. And what eventually ends up happening, and this is not, it's not what I'm about to say is going to sound like a manipulation, but it's not meant to be that way. It's just sort of the nature of the beast. If you invite four or five times and they're unable to make it, usually by the fifth or sixth time, they're like, oh my gosh, why is this taking so long? I'm going to make it work this time. Because they want to, if they want to be friends with you, they want to reward your persistence. And they want to not be somebody who's seen as a big 
fat no to all the time. So even if it doesn't work, they will make it work because they want to give me the feedback of I'm still interested. And that's so counterintuitive, right? Because we might think to ourselves, this person said no to me four times. She must really not be interested in my friendship. But your understanding the assumption is people are busy. Don't accept it as some sort of sign that she doesn't want to hang out. Keep going because by the fifth time, this this person will really want to make the extra effort. Yeah. And it's because by the fifth time, I kind of feel bad for rejecting you so many times, you know, so it kind of works in your favor. Having said that, I want to be clear. This is under the guise that they are actually interested in hanging out with you as a friend. This right. Is don't be annoying. Yeah. You don't want to be like, okay, how about today? Now, how about today? Now, how about today? Because then that just like, smells of like desperation and it can be kind of like clingy. Uh, I know there's been times when I've had friends who've been very busy or potential friends. And I've said, okay, you seem really busy. You know, I've, I've checked at you. Have, hey, sweetheart, you know, I've, I've texted you a few times. You seem really busy. Are you still interested in fostering a friendship? If so, I'm a yes. And let me know a time in the next few months that you think you could make something work. And then I put the ball in their court so that it gives them an out. Let's say they were excited to meet me, but after the next couple months, you know, they realize maybe I'm not their jam or they're just busy with their own stuff. I want to give them an out just because people change their mind. Someone that I really liked one day may not be somebody I like two or three months later. So it's a fine balance between on one hand, I want to be persistent and be the one that if they aren't willing to hold the relationship, I'll carry it for the both of us for now. And also if I'm starting to feel like I've tried four or five times and I'm still not getting a response, then let me just check in to see if they're still interested or if I've done something that maybe offended them or if they've changed their mind and be willing to like take the, they're just really busy or no answer at all, which is a communication in and of itself, if that makes sense. I might be afraid even to ask that because then it's almost like putting the emotional burden on them to let me know that they aren't interested in the friendship. So this is under the premise that they've already said that they're interested, right? They're like, hey, do you want to hang out sometime? Or you, like you said, under we're texting back and forth a few times. So I'm already feeling like they're somewhat interested. But if all of a sudden there's a, a, a cut in the communication and they're not wanting to like meet up, then there's a part of me that's going, okay, something happened, but I'm not sure. And I'm, I don't know, for me, I don't, I, I'm going to see, I see human beings as big and I don't want to assume that they're not interested or can't be bothered without actually hearing it from them. If they don't want the emotional burden, then they cannot answer. But to me, to tiptoe around asking a question, I feel doesn't see them as being capable of answering. Hey, do you want to be my friend? The answer is no. If you're unable to say no, there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on, which is totally okay. But I also think it's important for other women to be able to represent what they want. So if it means that they have to be a little bit uncomfortable and say, no, I don't want to hang out or be silent, that's fine too. But I, I'd rather risk them having to grow a little bit to say, speak their truth then for me to assume they must not want to hang out with me. And then we meet up at some event three years later and wonder why we never stayed connected. Yeah. It's really brave of you to be putting yourself out there like that and seeing them really as big and giving them the opportunity to step up in their own bravery to speak what it is that they want 
and you being a total yes to whatever that is, because it's everyone's perfectly allowed to not want to be our friend, obviously. Yeah. And and I think in the way you phrase the, the voicemail or the text or the email, it can it can be said in a way that gives them permission and grants them the the permission to be who they want to be. It's not from a, please say you like me because if you don't like, it's okay. But like, I really want to be your friend. If it's that tone, then it, I can see the level of them having to hold on to your inadequacies in their response. But I'm a whole human being talking to another whole human being. And I'm, I've had to do the work to go. It doesn't mean anything about me if you don't want to hang out. But I also want to know, should I keep trying or should I like leave you alone? I'm good with either one. I just don't want to be a bother. But I also don't want to let go of something that just needs a little bit more work. Right. So that's the kind of frame I come from. And there's been times where both has happened, where I don't get a response to that kind of a message. And then that's a communication in and of itself. But at least if they never talk to me again, there's a degree to which they're like, man, that girl really went for it. Like she was, she still tried. Yeah, there's a lot of respect you get for that. Yeah. And then there's been women who are like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for being persistent. I'm terrible at keeping friendships. I so appreciate you checking in again. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I've been dealing with X, Y, and Z. And so that's why I've been out of communication. And I've just been feeling like I shouldn't talk to anyone. But you're like somebody who's just no matter what. Like I also want to prove to them that I still... I still want to be their friend. I think a lot of women sometimes get get worried that if they aren't performing or on, no one's going to want to be friends with them. And I want them to know that, hey, it's okay that you've been, you know, kind of distant. I still see you and I still want to hang out with you because you're worth it. Yeah. And there is that punishment that sometimes girls, I believe, give each other when we're younger in groups and not showing up can get us kicked out of the group, for example, you, you know, the, um, I'm thinking specifically about right when we graduated from college, I remember my friends that I met in law school who had their college friends in New York city. If there was someone's birthday party from their circle of friends in college, everyone had to go. And if you didn't go, you sort of got in trouble. And I remember this, I didn't have my college friends in New York city. So I didn't specifically have this problem, but I watched my girlfriends in law school have this problem. And I remember thinking it was funny. So what you're talking about is, when you have a situation where a woman's not responding to you, maybe internally she's afraid that now she's in trouble with you in some way. And so when you keep showing up lovingly with an open heart saying, hey, I'm still here. I don't, I'm not mad at you at all. Let's be friends. It, it gives permission where her uh, original dropping the ball, which might just be a part of her personality, be like, oh, I suck at this. Um, you're not going to make it wrong and you're a safe person for her to be friends with because she's not going to always be feeling bad about herself. Yeah. And I also think it's important that when we're wanting to be friends with somebody else, like it's not just for us, it's a gift to that other person as well. So if I'm only in the friendship because I'm going to see what I can get and if they can meet up with me and if they can talk to me, it's a very me centered relationship. And for me, I want it to be a relationship of generosity and giving and abundance and service. And so for me, I'm like, I'm just going to keep putting my heart out there to be of service. And it's, painful sometimes to not get the response sort of like putting your head out there with dating and you're not getting you know I, I talked to a friend of mine who's doing online dating and they keep putting themselves out there and it's heartbreaking and I don't know like I just I would rather I would rather be putting my heart out of my chest to be beaten down by the rain and the hail and the snow and the hot sun 
been locked away in my chest where it's safe, but not feeling. I love that. And so that was the answer to the local friends. Yes. Um, to keep on trying, keep on making plans. Yeah. And for friends that are not local, the way I've been able to, like nothing can, can replace being in person. So even the friends that are not local, I look for opportunities to meet them in person. But that's not it was possible financially. That's not it was possible like time-wise. So the work there is to get authentic and honest with the mediums you have. I think voice notes are a great great way to do that. Unless you're gonna, you're a writer and you want to write nice long emails to people that kind of share about what's been going on with you and you know connect with them more deeply. If that's their medium that works, that's okay. I've done that with people. It's a lot of work and it takes a lot of time to write long, you know, journalistic type emails back and forth. I love voice notes. That has been my new thing. I will, if there's certain friends that I want to make sure I stay connected to, there's the frequency of calling, there's spontaneous calling, but I like knowing that I can just send them a voice note, singing them a song, telling them about my day. I know you had mentioned going for walks and so sometimes doing voice notes for people while you're on your walks. I think is a great way for them to always feel and know that I'm thinking of them, that I want them in my life more, and that I want to share my life with them. And there's a level of intimacy that can get be cre- that can be created to a degree so that when you do meet in person, it's like long lost friends coming together rather than, oh, you're that cool girl I've kind of been chatting with, let's hang out some more. It's like, oh, finally I get to see your face, yay. Um, that's what I've noticed so far is, has been my experience doing it that way. Yeah, I love voice notes. I think they're such a great new addition because not everyone can in real time be on the phone at the same time because, you know, a lot of people, maybe they have a, a, like an office job so they can't talk during the day and then at night they have their kids. So just in a very practical sense, meeting on the phone wouldn't be possible but a long voice note where you can just jam, you know, Mm -hmm. freestyle and say all kinds of stuff. And then they can listen to it when they have a minute, when they're on the subway or where they're in a car or when they're walking somewhere. And then they can just sort of freestyle and flow back. And then whenever I have the time, I can listen to that. So it's a little bit broken up. It's not in real time, but you still get that, that I think the depth can still be there. It's so weird because a few years ago, this didn't even exist. And it would have been so strange to me to think about having a relationship through voice messages essentially but yeah. it's, it's it's really great yeah there's been people I've had whole conversations with throughout the day because we can align on the same time so it's like I'll do a quick voice note and an hour later they do a voice note back and then two hours later I can respond and there's literally what would have been a 30 minute 40 minute call but over an entire day for when we can like just jam back and forth on the most you know mundane things or like serious things so yeah, no, I love voice notes. Um, I think they're epic. And in regards to the people who do have full-time jobs and kids at night, if you know that that's what that friend is dealing with, trying to make yourself available that sometimes might not be as um, com- comfortable for you and making yourself flexible does mean a lot. So being able to say something like, hey, while you're on the transit going in at seven in the morning, like if we set up a time, I'll set my alarm so we can jump on the call during that. Or one evening that when the kids are in bed at eight o'clock, like I'll be make myself free. Just tell me one evening you want to have like a Skype date or a phone date that we can actually catch up. It does go a long way as something to offer because most people who are in those situations where they're really busy sometimes feel like trying to ask somebody to speak really early or really late in the evening is a bother. So you offering that at least allows them the opportunity to know that, wow, you're really willing to 
make it work. Yeah. Um, another thing that I was going to suggest that has helped me deepen friendships a lot, no matter where the person is, is if I know something's going on in their life, being the person that texts every day mm. and reaches out to just to see how it's going. You know, if a friend of mine is going through something hard or difficult, uh, whether it's a loss of a loved one or a breakup or a job transition, that's really hard because we want someone to talk to. Like you were saying, we, mm-hmm. we evolved. We're built to be these these hunter-gatherers that spend our lives in sisterhood. And when we're going through something, we want to be held in that. And so the more I can show those people that I'm thinking about them and that they're not alone is, I think that's gone a long way towards showing people that I'm a good friend that, that can be trusted to really be there for them like that. Yeah. And I think, you know, just to add to what you said is it's not necessarily talking that people need, it's connection. And there's people I talk to every day and I don't feel connected to. And so there's a way with the information that we have now and the technology we have, we can make sure people feel connected to us and us to other people, even if it doesn't mean we're talking, you know, phone to phone or face to face. And so are there any challenges that you could think of that get in the way of friendships with women, whether it's our insecurities or, or jealousy or competition or whatever other kinds of confusions or frustrations that might arise? Is there anything you could think of that, that you could advise what challenges might come up in building friendships and what advice you have around that? Yeah, so for sure, there's lots of challenges that can come up with building friendships. Um, You know, definitely there's things you have to deal with, which is unfortunate because I dream of a time when this won't happen. But as animal species, you know, it's bound to. It's just the nature of our DNA. But whether it's competition or jealousy or envy, uh, those things can play a part. And as much as I uh, don't like when it comes up, it's hard for me to say that I'm excused from it uh, myself, personally. A lot of the times I find we've been bred as women in this very sort of capitalistic and patriarchal uh, culture to be in competition with each other because that's, you know, when I see my husband and some of our guy friends bond, they're all, all they're ever, all, a lot of the time what they're doing is some version of competition, a degree of like sarcastic degrading humor, or bonding together by a unified project. They have to build something, they have to accomplish something, and so that's how they bond. It's very, very different than how women bond. What do women do that's different? I don't think, I'm not saying that we're not competitive by nature. I don't think so at all. I I feel like I'm competitive in many ways. But I don't think we need to be doing something together in order to bond. I think women have way more use of the vocabulary, like they actually speak and talk and will share things with each other. We're much more talkative version of the species, I find. And that can be based on nature or nurture. You know, I'm not really, I've heard things for both sides of the the equation. Uh, But for women, I find it's also since, since you're a young child, very much part of the culture to talk about feelings and and allow your emotions to be felt. It's just the way our parents raised us. And so it's something that we move towards as when we meet girlfriends. I think men are unfortunately shortchanged because they're not allowed to be to emote as well, at least the men of my generation and later. They're not allowed to emote as much and, and they're not asked how they're feeling. They're sort of like pushed to the side in some ways. So I think speaking is something and sharing is something that's way more common for us. Having said that, we also live in first world and it's very hard when we 
are always trying to keep up with the Joneses and look good. When you have a friend that you love and adore, but they are what seems to be quote unquote winning in life and getting all the things that you wish you had or want, it can be very difficult to be the person that is watching somebody else live this sort of dream life. Which is why for two reasons, I think having an authentic real relationship is important because one is to, and also building your own esteem because one, if somebody else is winning in life, this just happens to be their wave, they're, right, they're riding right now. And because you know that person, the people who seem to be winning and having all the like, you know, fancy, amazing life, there's still always some degree of pain or suffering or sadness underneath that they're still having to cope with. Because life is sad and because we all have our challenges. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And even if they are in a phase where they things are just like glorious, there's been times where I've looked like I'm winning in life, but really there's other things going on underneath. And there's been times where I've been winning in life and life really is a dream come true in that moment. And it's short-lived. And then I'm in the gutter the next month or the next weekend. And so I think as a woman, there's two parts. One, you want to make sure that you're building enough esteem in yourself that when another woman is winning, you are clapping for them and you are happy for them, especially a friend. And yes, if you're feeling a little bit envious or jealous that you've cultivated a level of intimacy that you can go, ah, I'm so happy for you and frig, man, like I want that too. And that's okay. And I think the other part of it is also, so there's the esteem and the other part is making sure to cultivate rich but deeply authentic relationships where you have the freedom to say that to them. Right, where, where you can say to her that I actually am feeling an emotion of jealousy come over me and you're not making her wrong and say, wow, that's so interesting, it just passed over me. But I'm so thrilled that I would never want anything but great things for you. Right, something like that? Yeah, yeah, like that. Um, and there's sometimes I use bring humor. I'm like, I might go, girl, I'm so, I love you and I'm happy you're having it. But I need you to give me, send me some of that juju over here because I want that too. Like it could be any Ray inversion of it. It could be like you have to breathe through it and you let them know. But I think trying to hide it, trying to pretend you don't feel that way is to like lie about being human. And it also, when you be vulnerable and share that, it gives them permission to be vulnerable and share when they're feeling sad or insecure or jealous. Yeah. I think we lose out when we don't have the permission to be honest because we're expecting something non-human for ourselves if we expect us, ourselves never to feel jealous. Yes. Yes. And I think if we, everyone's waiting, it's almost like everyone's at a table waiting for the other person to share their like underbelly of vulnerability and just be willing to be the first person. Because there's been times where I've been like, I'm really jealous. Like you seem to be getting clients so easily and you started your business after mine and it's doing so well. And then I find out that they're actually jealous of me because I, you know, I've found myself a partner and have this life with a family. And so we both are actually jealous of each other for the areas of our life that are both lacking because we're winning. And then it also reminds me that I'm winning in some areas that I didn't even realize I was winning in. So it's, it's a beautiful way to recognize another woman as a sister and say, there's enough pie for all of us. And right now you're getting a big piece of pie and I really am craving some pie, but if we knew that there was enough greatness to go around for all women, I don't think we'd have to worry about there being competition. And I keep reminding myself 
okay, she's winning right now. She's getting some pie, but there's more than enough space for all of us at the top of that mountain. And there's more enough, more than enough pie for all of us to get some. And right now it's her turn. And it's not a zero-sum game. We always have to remember that life is not a zero-sum game. So our friend winning doesn't mean that we're losing. Yes. Other people having something good doesn't mean that, that, that there's less of the good for us to go around. That's not even how it works. No, it doesn't work that way. Um, but, we, but that also doesn't mean, but, but, but it's also not fair of us to acknowledge that sometimes we're going to have the emotion of jealousy pass through us because we are primate chimpanzees, basically, and even chimpanzees feel jealous. And so 99% of our DNA is pulling on us to have these jealous reactions. And so they're going to happen and it doesn't make us wrong. And it doesn't mean we don't love our friend. Yeah, absolutely. So that's like, we're the ones that are feeling jealous or envious or a bit irritated or bothered, but sometimes it's the other woman that feels that way. And it's on one hand, it's not my job to make her feel a certain way. If, if a woman came to me and said, I'm feeling really jealous or really envious, or I noticed you got this and I want that first, I would just, thank her for being so willing to share her feelings that cause that's a scary thing. And secondly, I would probably, you know, highlight to her why not to say, not to diminish why I'm being, why I'm successful, but I might highlight to her, Hey, I know this is really great right now. And don't forget last week I was, you know, this is just for right now, like in a way to remind her that this is just a wave I'm in, you know, this is not my life, but there are the women who, depending on where they are, um, no amount of talking to them is going to help them feel better. So on one hand, if a woman was brave enough to come and tell me, hey, I'm feeling really jealous or envious or I want what you've got. First of all, I'm going to commend them and just shower them with praise, for just being willing to be self-aware enough to know that and brave enough to say it out loud. And then the third would be, how do I help them get to where they want to go. Because if I'm winning at something or having something, then a part of me feels like as my friend, I want you to be here with me. And so here's what I did. How can I help you do some of those things? It may or may not work, but I want her to know that I don't want it just for myself. I want to share it. So let me help. How do I help share it? Because I feel like that's the biggest thing is when a woman comes in and is feeling that way. I know if I said I was feeling jealous or envious of somebody, I want someone to acknowledge my feelings. And I want them to either show me or teach me how to get it as well, if it's possible. And then the last thing, though, is that there's going to be the people who say that. And just for where they are in their trajectory of life, I know there's been some women who it's, it's too much. Like everything about it could be my life is, is a trigger for them. And those are the people who, you know, I might try continuously to keep inviting or keep connecting with, but they themselves will remove themselves be, from the relationship in their own time and way, because it's, uh, for whatever reason, they're just not ready to, to look, or they're not willing to do the work for the friendship. Basically, what I'm trying to say is there are going to be some people who are jealous and gossipy and they're, that they didn't start off that way, but they ended up that way. And if it ends up being in a place where it's too much work than you're willing to do for the friendship and it's toxic, it's you, you have permission to leave. As much as I talk about sisterhood and friendship, I also think it's important to make sure and be around people who want you to win just as much as you want them to win. If it's at the point where they're like, I don't want you to have it because I want it, then they're not the right friends for you. Yeah, I do think that people 
can sometimes fall to such a dark place in their life where it's not just that they're jealous. They really don't want you to have it. Yeah, absolutely. And it could just be for a short period of time. It could be long-term and, you know, let's not forget that there are people out there who are, you know, have on, are on the spectrum of antisocial personality disorders of psychopathy or sociopathy where they're, you know, more narcissistic and they're in a relationship that, you know, especially for empaths that looks genuine and authentic but is really just for the moment or for the opportunity that it provides because you know somebody or you work somewhere or, you know. So on one hand, I think I came into a lot of uh, the world of friendship very naive in regards to, you know, if they say they like me, they must. Um, and I've been burned many times where I've realized, oh, they were, I was just being used and I didn't realize that. And so I've been, I've been burned lots of times and really hurt realizing that as a friend I've been like used or manipulated. And so I think for me now, I'm not as naive, but I also don't have a closed heart. So I come into all the friendships going forward at, with eyes wide open and heart wide open. And then I try and navigate between those two. Yeah. At the end of the day, in the world of friendships, um, whatever chapter you are in life, it's not the end of the book. And we're always practicing how to be better human beings and how to connect with our tribe of sisters. And if there are challenges that you can't navigate, and it ends up being that that relationship falls by the wayside, you still got to learn something about yourself or other people. And so you can't consider it a loss. And, you know, if in your whole lifetime, by the time you're in your deathbed, you can say like you found anywhere from two to four sisters, like that's an epic win. And so, you know, keep, I would just say, keep going. And the challenges are going to come just like in relationships, whether it's with your parents, your partner, it's going to happen with friends because there's two human beings trying to converge when they're not, you know, really meant to. And so if you're willing to dance with yourself and your evolution as a human being and dance with their evolution of a human being where some go together and some fall apart, I think you can't, you can't lose the game of life in growing yourself as a human being and connecting with other human beings. And it's not always going to be perfect. Um, it's not always going to be pretty, uh, but it sure is worth it in the end. Oh, Sasha, this has been so great. Where can women find more more about you? Where they can, can they go to learn more about your work? Uh, they can always check out my website, sashalala.com, S-A-C-H-A-L-A-L-L-A. -A -L -L -A. Uh, if they want to find out uh, things that I'm up to and things that I'm doing, that's a great place to start. Is there anything you're excited about that women can look forward to coming up? Um, yeah, you know, it's not really, it's not really out there yet, but my most favorite thing to do is, uh, I love, I love sisterhood. I love girlfriends. I love the idea of spending time with women and sitting in circle. So being face to face in person, leading retreats and workshops is like my heart song in the world. So, uh, I am going to be doing more of those in 2020. Um, some of them are going to be like longer retreats, um, in exotic locations and some might be more localized workshops. Um, so they can definitely stay tuned for that. But that's the, man, that's the thing I love to do. I just want to have great epic slumber parties with girls. <laughs> oh, that is so sweet. It's the, definitely sounds to me like the kind of place you can go and expect to, shut, to to leave with some real lifelong friendships if you have anything to do with it. Yeah. That is so great. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. I'm so glad we finally got to do this, Sasha. You're yeah. wonderful. Me too. Thank you. Thank you so much. And now I would love to hear from you. We covered a whole lot of things in this episode, but I'm curious, what of the many things we talked about was the most impactful for you? Head on over to the blog at womenwantingwomen.com and let us know. 
And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams, so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share your dreams together and have adventures together and share passionate intimacy together, then there are tons of free resources for you on womenwantingwomen.com, including a guide to quickly and easily eliminate rejection from your life, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a free matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. And when you claim your free access to any of those things, you automatically become a Jordana Michelle Insider, which will give you instant access to an email training series I created to help you get on your game to finding your soulmate faster and easier, and to help you grow the deepest possible love together once you finally do meet. Plus, you'll get exclusive content and special giveaways and some personal updates from me that I just don't share anywhere else. So go to womenwantingwomen.com and check it out for yourself and share it with any other LGBT women that you think can benefit from what I'm offering there. Until next time, keep remembering that hot lesbians are everywhere, that love is real, and that the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Women Wanting Women. Women.